Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com. This is Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering. And we're going to stop that music and we're going to play some other music now. Donna Summer, Queen of Disco, Pride of Roxbury, I Feel Love. Tracy Chapman, Tufts graduate, started her career in music, Harvard Square, Sidewalks. That's her song, Fast Car. Now, Summer and Chapman fought hard for the space and the ability to make their music, their art as black women, and now their music has found itself at the crux of battles over how someone else can use it. It's copyright, sampling, the ability to define one's own legacy. And we're going to talk about that both in general and specifically with those artists with three guests. Dart Adams is a Boston historian and journalist. Uh, and Pete, Peter Carroll and Bamathy Viswanathan, you've had uh, heard them before. Uh, Peter is faculty director of the Center for Intellectual Property at University of New Hampshire's Franklin Pierce School of Law. And Bamathy is a faculty fellow at New England Law. Dart, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Peter, welcome back. Thank you. Nice to be here. Bamathy, hey there. Welcome to you, too. Thanks so much. So lots to talk about here. But, Dart, I want to set this up. We've had a whole conversation here on the show before about Mm -hmm. the history of Donna Summer. But remind us, born and raised here, fought hard to make her music. Uh, Donna Summer, uh, she's uh, one of the hallmark black music artists from Boston who, again, People didn't know she was from Boston until her passing, except for like brown people in Boston who celebrated her her entire career. Um, But she was one of the most important women in music history. Forget about just being disco, disco, a genre that Boston weighed heavily in. So it's all about Boston's black music continuum and how Donna Summer's kind of been erased from that. Okay, and then we have Tracy Chapman, who uh, studied at Tufts, uh, started her career here, and found herself in the center of the first of a set of legal battles over what's called sampling. So next thing we're going to do, each of you, we're going to have you define what sampling is. We're going to run down the line here. Bamathy, uh, no, Bamathy points to Peter first. (laughs) Peter, sampling is... Sampling is uh, quoting directly from a recorded piece of music. Okay, Bamathy. Yeah, I want to pick up on that because the Donna Summer dispute that is at the heart of what we're talking about today, uh, Donna Summer versus Kanye, who I'm going to refer to as Kanye as Ye. Um, Currently is his that okay? legal name. Currently yep. his legal name, I believe. Yep. Um, and actually, it's really interesting. The song that you just played, I Feel Love, um, wasn't exactly sampled by Ye. He used something that sounds like her voice and a, and the background that sounds very much like her song, but he doesn't actually use the piece from her work. But the estate of Donna Summer, which I assume owns the rights, not totally clear on that, but assuming that they do, they say, hey, you can't do that on Good Don't Die, his song. The song just dropped. It was, you know, his album, Bulcher's Gone Number One on Billboard. Great album, but uh, can he do this? That's really what's at issue today. All right, and and so, uh, Dart, I'm going to play you a little sound of Boston Music Award winner DJ Real P, um, who on this show used Funky Drummer by James Brown to show me what sampling is. Here's this sound. This is the break beat on James Brown's Funky Drummer. Here's the break beat. There it is. 
Oh, yeah, that sounds so familiar yeah. now when you play it like that. Yes. Oh, there's a wonderful voice of one like <laughs> me, like, oh, wow, sampling. <laughs> but this is what's at the heart of this, right, is the conflict between uh, the practice of sampling, the use of someone else's music, the approximate use, as Bamathy says, of someone else's music mm-hmm. that is at the heart of at, at least two cases here mm-hmm. where we have local uh, music leader, uh, musicians' legacies in question. Uh, the thing about sampling is the issues with sampling go back to 1988, 1989, when uh, rap music was finally starting to get its foothold and um, do well <laughs> as, a, uh, as a genre of music. And what happened is a lot of people who are rockists and rock purists and some of them were racist, straight up or up in arms about the idea of sampling, taking an original uh, sound recording, manipulating it, changing it, and then putting other parts of music into it to make some type of pastiche or, or what sampling is. It's quite literally like music pastiche and creating a brand new sound recording using other recordings. And it's just, it's very, it's not very different from an interpolation or it's not very different from an adaptation. It, things that happen in literature, things that happen in other types of media. But in this case, people didn't like that there were black musicians taking shortcuts with rock or jazz uh, compositions. And that's where people had the issue. And they were like, they're making new music with my music. They're not musicians. This isn't music. They can't sing. How dare they? So now, back to Peter Carroll of uh, the Center for Intellectual, Intellectual Property. This sort of gets roughly settled in law, but now we have, as Bamathy starts to outline, a case between Ye, who in, if you look in Spotify, he's going to come up as Kanye West, right? And this particular song, we're going to play a little bit of Good Don't Die here um, so we can hear it. Maybe we've got it. Here it is. And I'm going to say over this, the statement from, here it is, from the Summer Estate via Instagram, Kanye West asked permission to use Donna Summer's song, I Feel Love. He was denied. He changed the words, had someone re-sing it or use AI, but it's I Feel Love, copyright infringement. We have Dart saying it's a pastiche, it's an interpolation. So how do we get here legally? Yeah, so let's talk about this because I think there's an important distinction that your listeners have to understand. Mm -hmm. And that's between the sound recording, which some people think of as a master, or the original recording of it, Mm -hmm. versus the underlying musical composition. And the underlying musical composition is sort of the song. If you think of the sheet music, what you would sort of write down and create There's a totally separate copyright for that. It's a more historic copyright. It's been around a lot longer. Sound recordings are newer. So the reason we have to break this down is because the Copyright Act is very stingy as to the protections for sound recordings. You can Mm -hmm. only really protect the exact notes that you have recorded as a performing artist. That means when somebody like Ye comes in and then changes, even imitates, but uses a new singer or AI, I don't know what it was, to do that, that's not covered by the sound recording copyright. But so you have to go to the musical composition, the underlying song, and that was what would be at issue here. So it's actually we have to break it down a little bit in that way. Okay, so there's two different directions mm-hmm. I want to go here. I'm trying to decide which one. I think I'm going to stay here for a second. Sure. Uh, Bamathy, I'm going to come to you because this introduction of the maybe AI dimension – for me, I'm like a dog with a squirrel on that. I'm like, squirrel, right? I want to go over <laughs> to the AI side because it feels like it's going to introduce all kinds of new issues. And yet, isn't it just, again, kind of what Dart said, which is just a different way to interpret someone's music? Do I mean, uh, is this just going to break open a whole new thing that was sort of settled and now won't be? 
I mean, I think it may. Sure, right. I think Dart. I think your 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 version of history is spot on, accurate. But at the same time, there are musicians, right, who are like, I don't want my music used this mm-hmm. way, right. I, I feel for Donna Summer in some ways, or her estate, the late Donna right? Summer, the late yep. Donna Summer's estate, saying. This song had a huge amount of meaning. It was incredibly, anyone from that generation, which means me, right, can recognize it and and vibe to it. And it's a a song of a certain time. Can you change the notes just that little bit? Can you design around it? And then can you make it the hook for your entire, I mean, I really like Good Don't Die. I heard it on YouTube before they pulled it. But it sounds an awful lot, lot like that sound is the hook that makes that, that underlies that sound. If we have AI doing it, that seems even farther from Mm -hmm. what we kind of want a copyright to do, which is to let people be creative and cool. At the same time, you know, there's people who just say, hey, it's just a tool. It's just a tool like using, you know, synth or using, you know, um, uh, all the background equipment that they have now. How's that different? Uh, It's a tough question. I think one of the biggest things is if you're an actual hip hop fan or a rap music listener and have been for a long time, is that what Kanye West did, he's Kanye West, did with that song is not very original. It's not very creative. It's quite boring. He He didn't do anything transformational to it. And it was kind of lazy. Is pretty much said, I want to sample this and do nothing with it. They said, no. So he said, fine, I'm going to do something even lazier with it. And I'm going to do use AI or somebody else to try to change things around and skirt the issue. And then the, the estate of Donna Summer very rightly said, no, you can't do that. All right. So two things that Dart brings forward. And again, we're speaking with Dart Adams. Bamathy Viswanathan and Peter Carroll, the issue that came up was pushback from the estate of Donna Summer. Donna, uh, uh, you know, born and raised here in Roxbury, one of the, as Dart says, one of the great musicians. Um, and uh, the recording artist Kanye West, known legal name now, uh, Ye, got to keep all this straight for our <laughs> listeners, right? Uh, takes a piece from I Feel Love modifies it uh, and uh, and uh, and it, so this is the, the next piece uh, quality does quality matter Peter not so much from a legal perspective um, what we're really looking at and this is one thing that's very interesting to me is copyright law doesn't do a great job at protecting these kind of values of like moral rights uh, or thinking about in terms of my reputational harm to Donna Summer or Ozzy Osbourne got involved with a similar dispute with Kanye West in saying that I, I don't want even particular Kanye West using my music. And and copyright doesn't do a great job both for the quality and for the underlying sort of question of I don't want myself associated with that. That's a doctrine we usually think more about trademarks and brands and that kind of thing. And copyright doesn't have a lot to say about that. I think that's a really good point, Peter. But at the same time, copyright doesn't say much about quality and how much originality and dart. I don't know that I totally agree with you, but you know, the point here is reasonable minds can differ about music, right? Mm-hmm. You love music, and I go, hey, that's kind of a cool way to use that. And dart mm-hmm. goes, no, Bamathy, really, you know, mm-hmm. there's so much cooler ways to do it. Nas would have done a better job, whatever you want to say. But copyright isn't in the business of making judgments. We want more stuff to be made, right? If that's the argument that we're going to use, then, hey, AI is going to open the door to more. Mm -hmm. The problem here is really what Peter is talking about, which is almost a trademark concern. Mm -hmm. Me, Donna Summer, built my name, built my brand, built my reputation, built my sound. And now you're taking my sound. It's, It's as if you took my image, my likeness, and put it on something and said, I endorse this. And and Ozzy Osbourne said when he he was um, 
sampled by uh, Kanye West and got into a dispute with him and said, hey, I don't like what this man stands for. I don't like what he said. I don't like his the comments that he's made. I don't want to associate mm-hmm. with this man. That's kind of trademark language, not really copyright. And then when we look at the early days of sampling where the turtle said, we don't want our music associated with rap, or when you right. look at when... Uh, uh, Bismarcky was denied sampling uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan's Alone Again Naturally, which started everything, the the big court case. Um, this changed sampling laws and sampling statutes and clearance laws. Uh, he said, I don't want my music used. They used it illegally. And then now everything has to be cleared and sampled. But still, copyright law and and all these other things, a, uh, original, like, uh, what's... Uh, intellectual property all these other things come into play and it's like they're still not defined in terms of music rap and it's not applied well so to black music so that so a couple of things i want to type a couple loose ends and then i know that listeners out there are saying i was waiting for some tracy chapman folks so i want to come back to the tracy chapman piece of this um uh yay uh, has received a lot of criticism for being uh, for making anti-Semitic statements. So mm-hmm. to wrap up the Ozzy Osbourne piece, the Osbourne account on Twitter says Kanye West was, quote, refused permission. Um, and the, it, the context is to use a sample of the Black Sabbath song Iron Man because, and this is a quote from the Osbourne Twitter account, because he is an am- anti-Semite and has caused untold heartache to many. He went ahead and used the sample anyway at his album listening party last night, February 8th. I want no association with this man. So this is where we get into the, this is who I am, this is what I stand for stuff. So now we get into this other piece. So, you know, several minutes ago, you heard me say two directions I want to go in here. The other one is this, wait, you've been asked, you say no, what can you do, right? Because Nicki Minaj asks uh, uh, Tracy Chapman to be able to use Baby Can I Hold You. We're going to play a little of it in the background here. Sorry. Baby Can I Hold You uh, for a song called uh, Sorry. Uh, uh, Tracy Chapman says no. Nicki Minaj does not put it on her album Queen. But then comes up a controversy over a DJ playing it and whether Nicki Minaj provided that. Here's the song Sorry. Sorry. So this permission thing, et cetera, comes into the mix, too, which I think for anybody is intriguing, Bamathy, because, hey, wait, I said no. Feels like something lots of people understand. Yeah, and let's talk, because you talked about Ozzy Osbourne. It's a great segue, because where does Kanye West use that song that samples him? He uses it at his listening party for Vultures, right, in Chicago. And that's kind of an interesting place to be disputed. And the Nicki Minaj dispute with Tracy Chapman, similarly, Nicki uses it on a demo tape, right? And there's... A lot of us feel that, look, you're making demos, you're playing Experim- with music, I think you're the word is experimenting, right? right? You're experimenting with this bit, and it's not really clear how it got in the hands of the, this DJ, whether Minaj released it to him or not. Not really clear whether he got permission to play it. And then some of his listeners, I think, uh, picked it up and maybe uploaded it to YouTube, as one does, right, these days. Um, but it got out of his hands and definitely got out of Minaj's hands and Minaj said I didn't really make that happen it's 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 unclear it's contested right Peter yeah, and there's another interest that I want to bring into here because I think it's really important is we've been talking about the interest of sort of the performer and the, the songwriter we've been talking about the impre- interest of the sampler the person who's quoting 
But there's also the audience and there's the listeners, right? And one, one interesting thing when you go to YouTube right now and look at these, like the, the Kanye song or, or um, the Nicki Minaj song, in fact, that's not available on Spotify or on YouTube, there's a lot of people saying, I want to hear this. Like, where is this? We can't find it anymore. So you have this sort of triangular effect where you have all these different interests, some of whom are just fans and they want to hear what the song is and they don't understand why they can't find it. Another interest you have is Luke Combs, right? He's been playing... His version of Tracy Chapman's Fast Car. All right, I have to admit, I'm a total originalist. I love Tracy. Okay, so here's the Luke Combs. You got a fast car, and I want to take it to anywhere. All right, let's bring that down. Here's Tracy Chapman's original. You got a fast car. And for the record, Luke Combs' version goes to number one on Billboard Country, but they perform it together at the Grammys. They perform it together at the Grammys. Now, Luke has dropped an album with his cover of Fast Car on it. Clearly, Tracy Chapman at some point gave him... Oh, let's bring that Tracy Chapman back. I want some more of that. If we can. Keep going. Keep going. Can we just listen to it for the rest of the show? (laughs) Keep going. I love her, right? But where... Now, look, cover is very different than sampling. Yeah. I mean, Tracy Chapman allowed Nice and Smooth to sample Sometimes I Rhyme Slow, Sometimes I Rhyme Quick back in 1991. It became a hit. Um, She allowed them to do it, but she took between 50 and 100 percent of the song. So while royalties, royalties, yes, while or or like the ownership of the song. So while they perform it and they can have it be a hit or whatever, she gains benefit from it. But people still buy their album. So she apparently said, you can sample it if you use it in a way that's, you know, original or creative. And she had issue with Nicki Minaj where she wanted to do with it later on. So, Dart Adams, I'm going to finish with you because here was, in all of this, the last thing that was striking to me. And it's Mm -hmm. the thing I said at the very beginning. With Donna Summer, with Tracy Chapman, these were women who pioneered and had to fight hard Mm -hmm. for the right to make their music their way and build. They changed the music industry with Mm -hmm. their music. How do we think about that part in this discussion? Uh, basically, if someone says don't sample their music, don't sample their music, don't try to skirt around it, do something completely different. Otherwise, you're going to be in legal issues, have legal issues and be in legal trouble. And is that the, the, the word of the law to Peter Carroll? Yes or no? Um, I, no. Okay. Comathy, <laughs> do you agree? I want to get these guys to come in and talk to my class about this because I think it's tough. But I do think that can we can we end on this one issue of moral Right. We don't have moral rights in the United States, really. And we sure don't have that in music. But there is this sense that artists have toward each other of respect and obligation. What obligation do artists owe each other? It's not like political campaigns where people use music disrespectfully against people's political inclinations sometimes. Right. And they can do that legally. There are many ways to do that legally. But when artists take from each other and share from each other, I think every artist in the world wants people to share in their music. That's why we create. I would also like to point out that there have been several musicians in different genres that will not allow anybody to sample, interpolate, or use their music. And that's their right, right, Dart? That's their right. Well, sort of. All right, so that's a conversation for a different day, but I love it that that's (laughs) where we ended. Because that right there is kind of the point. All right. So Bamathi Viswanathan is a faculty fellow at New England Law. Peter Carroll is faculty director of the Center for Intellectual Property at UNH's Franklin Pierce School of Law. I'm going to say thank you to the two of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.